The popularity of the gun dictates how many accessories you have. So like you said with the gun, if it's a Glock and you're wanting to switch from 40 to 9, they're going to make accessories for that kind of thing. When disaster strikes, will you be prepared? This is Prepping 2.0 with authors and prepping experts, Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Online at prepping2-0.com. Get ready. Prepping 2.0 coming in 3, 2, 1. Welcome, everyone. This is Shelby Gallagher over here at Prepping 2.0, joined by my co-host on the show and co-host in life, Glenn Tate. Well, thank you very much, Shelby. I often say that the past few years are the golden age of firearms with all the new innovation that's out there. Our guest today, David from Gibbs Arms, is one of those innovators. We're going to talk about prepper guns in general and specifically about new technology that you need to know about. I am arbitrarily... Because I'm quite the boss, I am picking the sponsor superlative of the week. It is my own decision, my prerogative to quote Bobby Brown. Remember that? 1989. It's my prerogative. There's a lot of cocaine involved in that one. Let's not talk about that. Yeah. Excellente is our sponsor superlative of the week. And I'm going to carry out that sponsor superlative of the week by telling you about our Excellente sponsors. We have Forever Forward Apparel. These are all available. All the the links and the discount codes and everything else are available at prepping2-0.com friends and affiliates page. Forward, Forever Forward Apparel. They do cool Prepping 2.0 stuff and non 2.0 stuff. Pro One Water Filters. They're fabulous. Jared Savick, who is our um, uh, Montana realtor, uh, Katie Armor, come and take it armor, C-A-T-I armor. They make affordable body armor. Backwoods Home Magazine, New Mana Foods, freeze-dried foods in family-sized portions. Minuteman Coffee, to which you were addicted. That's yes. excellent, in a very excellente manner yes, as well. Yes, it's an excellente addiction. EMP Shield, they make a uh, EMP proofing device. Again, all the information is on our website. And Paul Burke, who's an Idaho realtor with FirstResponseRealty.com, powered by Fathom Realty, and Gibbs Arms. But we're going to be hearing about that because our guest is David from yeah. Gibbs Arms. So we're going to hear all about that. Why don't you tell folks about some uh, merch opportunities? Yeah, we have some great stuff. We have awesome stuff. And um, I don't know about where you live, folks, but where we live right now, it's cold. and it's a little it has chilly. It's been cold for quite some time. We have an excellent uh, stock of our hoodies. Excellent. Pardon me for interrupting you. Excellente, excuse Thank me. You. Thank Excellente you. Excellente right. stock of all of our hoodies and cool hats that are that super popular flex fit style. So I encourage you to check that out on our website at prepping 2 Zero.com. Click on shop and you'll find all the goodies over there. Reason of the week to be a Patreon, and that is quite simply to keep us on the air. You guys may notice, and, and I don't know how you could help but notice, that we have the best produced prepper podcast on the air. Yeah, I said it. I said it out loud. I'm proud. We have the best produced podcast on the air. And our producer, uh, the best producer in the business, that costs us money. Now, worth every penny of it. But this show doesn't just produce itself. This show doesn't just magically happen. There are a lot of hard costs. And if we didn't have Patreon supporters, we could not be on the air. And then Prepping 2.0 goes away. Everyone's sad. Everyone cries. Nobody's happy. We don't need any of that. So the reason of the week to be a Patreon is to keep us on the air. I'm going to introduce my guest, David from Gibbs Arms, G-I-B-B-Z Arms. Uh, Good afternoon, sir. Thank you. Yeah, so yeah, it's good to be on the show. And now, now, uh, are you calling in, or are you appearing by the internet, or is there a third option? I'm here in the studio. What? The best You're in option. the studio. Yeah. Do, you traveled all the way to Montana to hang out with us, which yeah. is super cool. Much appreciated. Mm-hmm. It's been fun. We just we just had lunch. We were hanging out. Uh, you and your lovely wife. It's it was a lot of fun. So we have an in studio guest. David from Gibbs Arms. He is a firearms innovator, uh, engineer. Uh, he probably wouldn't claim that title, but he is he's an innovator. And we're going to talk about guns all episode long. We're going to start off by talking about prepper guns. And then probably, it depends on how it shakes out, probably in the after show, he's going to talk about some innovations in firearms and not just his Gibbs Arms side charger, all kinds of other innovations that you may not know about and you may need kind of 
to be reminded about to say, oh, geez, yeah, that that would be kind of cool. I need to try that because we're very practical on this show. So, Mr. David of Gibbs Arms, what would be your four-gun battery for preppers? What are the four guns folks should have? And then we'll talk about each one as you list them. Uh, <clears throat> so that'd be a, a 22 long rifle, and then uh, as a battle rifle, an AR in 5.56, and then uh, a sidearm, probably nine millimeter, and then a, a 12 gauge shotgun. Well, let's let's unpack each one of those. 22 long rifle. Talk about the pros and cons of the 22 long rifle cartridge. Again, focused on preppers and self defense needs and being able to resupply yourself and also, uh, you know, hunting small game in the case of 22. What are some pros and cons of the 22 long rifle cartridge? And then we'll get into the platform, which is a 1022, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So with the 22 long rifle, you've got uh, um, inexpensive cartridge. You've got um, low recoil, uh, <clears throat> uh, great availability for, uh, for the caliber and and that kind of thing um cons would be um smaller energy means meaning less stopping power um but yeah so I, I mean you need a 22 to go out and hunt small game and that kind of thing you need a 22 to to teach um firearm basic firearm training mm -hmm. and that kind of thing so uh so yeah having that ruger 1022 is definitely in my arsenal there. You seem to have uh, settled on, and I don't mean like compromised, you seem to have come to the conclusion that a Ruger 10-22 is the best all-round 22 long rifle. Um, mm -hmm. rifle. Um, why is that? Well, that was my first firearm. Oh, um, that's so, a legitimate reason. Yeah. So, and uh, when we lived out, we lived out out in the country growing up, and uh, I, out of my root, my original Ruger ten twenty two, I have probably over ten thousand rounds through it. It's I've shot it a lot, and we've done a lot of rabbit hunting and and other small game, and it's just. It's just super reliable as a kid. You know, I didn't clean my gun, so, but it just kept running. Well, luckily, 22 is not that dirty. No, it's just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was forced to clean it every now and again, but it, it put a lot of rounds through it before, uh, before it made me clean it. So that's right. Very reliable. How, if you had to estimate, how many Ruger 1022s do you think have been manufactured and sold in the United States? Uh, shoot, I don't know. Probably well over 100,000, maybe. Oh, I've seen figures, not to like, like correct you, but I've seen figures of 20 million, mm -hmm. 20 million. And it's been around since uh, the early 60s, I want yeah, to say. I believe so. And so yeah, it yeah. is an example of technology that was ahead of its time, very reliable, mm -hmm. semi-automatic, incredibly customizable. There are, well, probably 100,000 different variations you could come up with based on different stocks and triggers and, and mm -hmm. you know, barrels and all that other stuff. There is a cottage industry in 1022 accessorizing, which is important because you can make it the way you want it. And you mentioned some of the downsides that uh, 22 long rifle was not terribly potent. Um, do you have a story of any kind about a 22 maybe uh, messing a dude up? Yeah, I, I met a guy that um, he got shot in the chest with a 22, and uh, he didn't even realize he got hit. But it punctured his lung, and within five minutes, he's on the ground gasping for air. He had to go to the hospital, and and it really messed him up. So there's a I don't know if it's an urban legend or not. So I try not to perpetuate urban legends, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I might be. So here it goes. Um, I've heard that the 22 caliber long rifle, 22 caliber. Uh, cartridge is the uh, cartridge that kills the most people in the United States. Do you know anything about that? Uh, I don't specifically know that, but um, but I would I would imagine it's it's uh, so prolific out there that it's it could be true. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you can definitely put somebody down. Um, of course, it's the stopping power. You mentioned your friend didn't even know he was hit. That's not mm -hmm. a, a great testament to its stopping power, but it is a testament to its potential lethality, yeah. given that it punctured his lung and that he was you know, hospitalized. And mm -hmm. I imagine um, fixing a punctured lung, and I'm no doctor, but I mean, I imagine it would be kind of hard. You're going to hear that as a theme um, throughout this show. I know, <laughs> fill in the blank. Yeah. Uh, be listening, <laughs> be paying great attention to the entire episode to hear me uh, connect those dots and, and do that thread there. Um, so 22 
long rifle, and you mentioned your your second uh, gun in a four gun battery. And by the way, a four gun battery is completely arbitrary. It is it is a common thing that people in the preparedness community talk about a four gun battery. It's not like it's a magic number. I think curious what you think. I think the four gun battery came up because people in the preparedness community realized to cover all your bases, you really need four different tools, right? Yeah. And uh, so we've got the uh, small game and the practicing thing down with the 22. Of course, ammunition is very inexpensive, uh, which is huge. So you can actually train. Um, I should add that a, a 22 rifle is my favorite gun of all the guns in my gun safe. The one I shoot the most is an M&P 15-22, which is an AR-15 in 22 caliber. I have put probably, you mentioned 10,000 rounds, probably about that, um, through that gun. And I I now instinctively click off the safety when I'm, when I'm up to shoot, and I instinctively click it on when I'm not on target. And I, I don't even realize my thumb is doing that because of the 10,000 rounds of 22, which doesn't cost a lot of money. Um, so I'm a huge proponent of 22s for training besides the basic marksmanship out of a 1022. But if you're going to get a 22 long rifle, consider an M&P 1522. Um, they're, they're inexpensive and they are an AR-15 as far as ergonomics. Well, speaking of the ergonomics of an AR-15, you mentioned mm -hmm. your second gun in the battery would be a battle rifle. Tell us about that. What is your ideal battle rifle for preppers in this category? Well, I'm solidly in the AR um, battle rifle camp. Um, I like AKs, but but um, the, the like you said, the ergonomics of an AR-15, you just can't beat it. Um, you know, the it was designed with ergonomics involved and and that kind of thing. You could you have the safety that you can easily flick on and off with your thumb. The mag release is right there available with your trigger finger and that kind of thing so it's just you can't can't really beat the ergonomics and so um and then also the availability of ammo the 556 ammo is is everywhere um it's a good it's good cartridge good for stopping power and for uh for short and medium range um so yeah it's it's uh definitely the ar is my is my battle rifle of choice if i were to you know, have the luxury of choosing. So, well, and I'm no firearms innovator, um, but it seems to me I've I've said to myself several times, probably said to Shelby, and she probably doesn't remember because she probably wasn't listening to me when I pontificate. I can't so think. Right <laughs> I can't think of any ergonomic improvement to an AR-15 platform gun that is even possible. I think it is perfect in the sense of. Again, that, that, that thumb safety thing, it is so intuitive. The mag release, um, the everything about it. The one thing I will say about an AR-15 that is not ergonomically awesome is the charging handle. Now it yeah. works and yeah, folks that are familiar, you know, you basically pull uh, a handle back. Um, but, and this, this episode is not all about Gibbs arms, but you've got something you've made the nearly perfect, ergonomically nearly perfect AR-15 a little bit better. And that would be improving the, the charge, uh, charge handle. Tell us about your invention. And you did invent it by the way. Yeah. 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 So, um, my brother and I, my, my dad was a bench rest shooter. So we're kind of favored the long range shooting and that kind of thing. And so, um, we were laying on the ground um, with the scope and everything, and it's just hard to get to the charging handle. We we got the the one that sticks out a little bit further, so you can get it get at it a little bit better. And we ended up just bending the charging handle um, after a while. And so we just we decided we needed to have a side charger, and so we and none existed. So you said I'll invent one. That's right. Yeah. So I mean, we're both engineers, so that's what we did. So so we designed this the the side charger and. Um, so we have the only side charger that you can use any bolt carrier group. So the mil spec bolt carrier and all the others fit just right there. Even sim rounds, you were telling us. <laughs> yeah, much. yeah. Uh -huh. that's a special bolt carrier. Yeah. So, um, so there's no modification. You do have to swap out our cam pin, but um, but it's a non-reciprocating, so it's not moving back and forth. It's on the right side, on the left side of the gun, which is you know 
the right, the right, the correct place. side for right-handed. Yeah. People. So the pla- right, proper place to put it. Unlike an AK. <laughs> yeah. So you've got. Um, so now you don't have to reach up underneath the, the scope to do it. And then um, further, as we were, you know, testing it and trying it out and developing it, we found out that there's a lot more advantages. In fact, the one of the bigger reasons why I like the side charger and um, is in competition when you get a malfunction that side charger just saves saves your bacon because it's you know like if you have to hold the bolt back it's just easy to do you can keep your 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 hand on the grip and you can lock the bolt back and then address your malfunction and get back on target super quick so uh now after all these years that's that's what kind of the one number one reason is for malfunctions and then a, a good secondary is for uh um, being able to reach up underneath the scope and and grab that side charger, it just keeps your your gu- your grip on the handle, keeps your um, your head in the same spot, so you can be addressing your target if you have to while you're uh, you know manipulating the the gun. Excellent, and, and you mentioned uh, with the uh, AR platform, we're going to get into the AR versus AK question in a while, but you mentioned five five six is a pretty good cartridge. What do you mean by that? Because that's a bit of a somewhat controversial topic. Yeah, for sure. Um, I would say the the five five six is a really good cartridge because of uh, basically the reasons why the military picked it. Um, they were going from a three hundred eight to the to a lighter cartridge, and basically the smaller round, while it has enough kinetic energy to get the job done, it actually it makes the whole magazine weigh less. There's um, you can carry a, a large amount of ammo for for less weight. And things, um, but yeah, it's a little twenty-two. That's uh, that's going out there, you know, right around three thousand feet per second. So it's it's got a lot of kinetic energy, and it, with the modern bullets, it can do a lot of damage. Mention modern bullets. There are all kinds of loads for five five six. And by the way, we say five five six. We also mean two two three. I know they're technically different. Yada yada yada. But anyway, there's the connection between two two three. If you're out there and you've heard of two two three and you're wondering what we're talking about with five five six, basically the same thing. But with all the different loads, there's you know forty grain varmint loads. Uh, all the, there's fifty five grain standard ball rounds. There's sixty two grain tech called light armor piercing. Not sure how much armor it pierces and then there's all the way up to 77 grain and there's tons of variations in between so you've got a whole lot of different loads for different jobs which is unusual for a rifle cartridge don't you think yeah for sure and i think that's uh the military influence like that 62 grain penetrator it um um like you said it's not an ap round but um if you have a plate that's all polymer it'll zip right through that thing so car doors yeah car doors it's uh, you know it's designed for the 249 to to stop vehicles and and that kind of thing which so, is a machine gun yeah so you've got um lots of different loads for all the hunting applications and then all the military applications so it's it's the reason it's been around so long so that's the reason for all the different variations and you alluded to the availability the commonality a 556 in in the 299 days book series i talk about uh one of the characters has a 260 winchester which is kind of unheard of now i mean they they don't i don't think they make factory ammunition for it and some of the limitations of oddball cartridges like that 556 is the opposite of an oddball cartridge it is absolutely everywhere used by the military police forces it is the thing you're going to find pallets of at your gun store. And so that is a huge deal having very widely available ammunition because in the scenarios that people listening to the show care about, disruptions of supply chain primarily. And I don't mean the little the little goofing around supply chain issues we've had the past year or two. I'm talking like like the interstate highway system is shut down kind of supply chain problems. You would want to have guns uh, formatted or or made it, uh, to shoot calibers that are very very common and five five six certainly is. I mean, you can you know talk about ballistics of you know six six point five Creedmoor or whatever like that, but uh, there's only a handful of it around, and that's not going to work when you are dealing with um, motorcycle gangs with checkpoints on roads and things like that. You know, you know if you want to talk about ballistic coefficients and all the science and all that other kind of stuff, that's great for a hobby and that's cool. So 
get an AR in 5.56 and then also get some cool gun in some oddball caliber. That's cool. Not saying not to. It's just that if you need to rely on something, the commonality is important. Um, One of the other things I think that's an advantage of AR platforms is that AR rifles are relatively speaking light. Um, They're, you know, it's all made out of aluminum. There's, there's not a lot of, you know, steel. And so they can be handled by people of varying body strengths. They can be carried longer distances. I think there's a reason you, you mentioned this. There's a reason the U.S. military and militaries around the world have been using the AR platform and the 5.56 cartridge for the past 60 years in the case of the United States, right? I mean, there must yeah, be a, yeah. a reason to do that. Um, you're not going to goof around and experiment. The military is not known for like risk-taking and experimenting when yeah. it comes to procurement. Mm-hmm. So um, AR platform, well, let's talk about the AK. What are the pros and cons of the AK? Well, the the pros um, similar to the AR, the the round is is very available. Um, the 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 gun is as well. Um, the the a, the AK uh, uh, Kalashnikov did a really good job when he when he designed that. It was it was designed to um, to certain specifications, and he nailed it. Um, part of that was is to be able to manufacture the gun cheaply and with people that with limited skill and that kind of thing, and to be a, a really good battle rifle. And I think he definitely nailed that. The one of the cons for the AK is basically the ergonomics. Um, most of the time, when I see people shooting an AK, they don't they don't even bother messing with the safety. Yeah. It's it's always it's in off. a terrible place. <laughs> yeah, and you know I have to use my thumb to activate it and deactivate it. That's if you your thumb can actually reach it. I'm, yeah. I, I have to use, because I have medium-sized hands, I have to often use um, my left hand, which, yeah. it, you know, it's a crossover thing. It's it's craziness. Yeah, yeah it is no, not ergonomic by any means. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I have to use my offhand to to, to activate the, or deactivate the safety. Um, the other thing is is the um the mag release the mag release is is uh, kind of awkward it's you know and you can ex- make bigger ones and extend them and stuff like that but you generally speaking people have to grab the the mag and then activate the 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 mag release and then so you're kind of messing with the mag with the magazine coming out and then you have to mess with the magazine going in whereas it a ak or ar you just hit the button while you're reaching for your new mag and and that mag's already gone by the time you stuff the new one in there and then you you don't have to with the ar you you don't have to rock in the mag you can just stuff it straight in whereas the ak you, you need to rock it in there and stuff like that so so um yeah so the ak is just ergonomics aren't near as good as the AR. Yeah. And talk about, since you're a a firearms engineer and manufacturer, I'll call you an innovator Mm because that captures all of it. Tell us about, and we have about a minute before we're going to go into our break. You can finish up your thoughts on the other side of the break. Talk about tolerances in the AR versus the AK and describe what a tolerance is. Okay. So tolerances are, if I design something to be two inches, I'm going to give it a tolerance of plus or minus 10 thou or 10 thousandths of an inch or plus or minus two or five or whatever. Anyways, the smaller the variance, the tighter the tolerance. The the tolerances have to deal with with, uh, manufacturability of the gun, how easy it is. Consistently being the exact same size. Yeah, and how much you can vary without with it still being there. Well, we're going to have to cut you off like I said we would. It's always rude to do that. (laughs) Join us on the other side of the break for more on Prepper Guns with David from Gibbs Arms. More of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher is coming right up. Hear all our previous shows free online at prepping2-0.com. Without water, you're done in three days. Pro One water filters. It's literally a matter of life and wet. Pro One G 2.0 all-in-one gravity systems are NSF ANSI 42 component certified. Not everybody can say that. No need for additional add-on filters to reduce fluoride. Pro One stainless gravity systems include a stainless steel spigot and a countertop stand for no additional cost. Pro One water filter gravity systems. Check them out at ProOneUSA.com. That's P-R-O-O-N-E. USA.com. Most tested, most trusted. Prepping 2.0 is about that next level of prepping. One of the key 2.0 items to have is bulletproof body armor plates. I used to think body armor was too tactical for a regular guy like me, but it isn't. 
give yourself, your family, and your team an unfair advantage when bullets are flying. Body armor used to be expensive and hard to get. Not anymore. KD Armor, and that stands for come and take it, makes solid and affordable body armor for normal people. Get body armor while you can. The clowns in Congress are trying to prohibit future sales. KD Armor is the place to get it. C-A-T-I-Armor.com. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount when you use the coupon code GRANT. When the grid goes down, darkness will descend fast. Used to be there was nothing you could do about an EMP, electromagnetic pulse, or CME, coronal mass ejection. Now you can protect your electronics, protect your family, thanks to EMP Shield. EMP Shield invented a simple to install device that prevents whatever's connected to it from frying in an EMP or a CME, and it costs just a few hundred dollars. EMP Shield has been tested by independent laboratories and passed muster with the government, which has ordered lots of them. Google EMP Shield and see for yourself and save some money. Get a $50 discount per device. Go to prepping2-o.com, click on the Friends and Affiliates page, then click on the EMP Shield logo. At checkout, use coupon code PREPPING2.0. It's all one word. Shelby Gallagher here. We found that you need to layer your food preps. Yeah, this is Glenn Tate here. A lot of times the hardest part of layering is the long-term foods. We love Numana foods, which have a 25-year shelf life and are non-GMO. Also, organic meals are available. Numana comes in family-style portions and in bulk. This is not backpacking food. It's family meals that last for at least 25 years. The perfect freeze-dried part of your food layering. You can get a sample of Numana meals for $19.95 and see for yourself. You will be amazed. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount by entering the code PREP. Go to Numana.com or click the link on the Prepping 2.0 website. Give it a try. Numana.com. That is N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Looking to meet other like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own prepper group? Already have a group? Join PrepperNet.com. PrepperNet has gathered the biggest names in the industry to help unite preppers everywhere. Join John Jacob Schmidt, Scott Hunt, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy, Glenn Tate, Shelby Gallagher, Charlie Hogwood, Samuel Culper, Survivor Jane, Rick Austin, Franklin Horton, Ryan Mitchell, and Brian Duff. Our team is united. Check us out at PrepperNet. Prepper.com. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. PrepperNet.com. In a tactical situation, your AR is your life. Gibbs Arms makes a sweet feature, the only side charger that can use a standard bolt carrier group with no modification. Gibbs makes them in 9mm, 5.56, and 308. In fact, Gibbs Arms has been granted eight patents for unique innovations. The company started back in 2008 when two Boeing engineers realized no one else made what they wanted. Take a look at their website and see all the ways Gibbs Arms can help you mod your AR. Gibbs with a Z, arms.com. That's G-I-B-B-Z-A-R-M-S.com. Now, more of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Um, We're just getting started with our discussion of Prepper Guns with David from Gibbs Arms. But stick around for the after show. If you're a Patreon, oh my goodness, you're going to hear so much more. As folks know who have been listening to the show regularly, we have been giving away Gibbs Arms swag. And we have this thing where people send us an email and we pick the winner. But you know what? We thought, what the heck? We have Mr. Gibbs Arms himself in the studio. We might as well have him pick the winner. So, sir, we we have given you a list of the uh, people who properly responded. And uh, why don't you pick the winner of the Gibbs Arms swag? All right. Well, I'm going to pick Carol B. Okay, Carol B. Send an email to Shelby, shelbygallagher321 at gmail.com with your address because we can only send you the stuff if we have your address we tried sending one to the 330 million people in the united states and uh, that didn't work very well the swag bill that gibbs was paying was just got a little too high so we'd like to tailor it to you so send us your address it is now time for archive episode of the week this is what we do because we have so many new listeners they may not know that we have older episodes that cover a variety of topics. I humbly suggest that our older episodes cover every topic that's important to preppers. I'm just going to say it's true. And so we go back and we tell you about them so you can go to our website, prepping2-0.com and look up older episodes. They're all in chronological order. 
The episode archive of the week is episode 32, which aired on May 29th, 2019. Remember that in the good old days? And uh, Bugging Out 101 is what we covered there. When I am on Facebook and uh, someone asks a question in a Facebook group, like uh, some prepping question, I will often send them, uh, or I will comment with the URL for a particular episode of Prepping 2.0. And I say something like, the answers are contained in, in this episode. The one that I end up sending out the most, because it is one of the most commonly asked questions, it's always Bugging Out 101 episode. That's the one, the URL that I send out. And so that's how I can let you know that this is, I think, a really important episode that, that answers a lot of questions people commonly have. Well, back to David from Gibbs Arms. We were talking about the four-gun battery. We were talking about the AR-15 versus the AK. One of the aspects of the AK, one of the differences, I should say, between an AK and an AR is the cartridge it shoots. What are some pros and cons of first we'll do 762 by 39 and then we'll do 545 by 39. What are some of the pros and cons of the AK's round 762 by 39? Um, well, I'd say the biggest pro for the 762 by 39 is, is the, the large caliber, the 30 caliber bullet. Um, and then it's it's going out at a, at a moderate speed, so it's it's a at close range is definitely a, a destructive round, so it's it's a good one. And then obviously the the low cost and um, availability of it is is high, right? And it's it's <clears throat> available. It's not as common. I mean, mm -hmm. it's it, available and common are two different things. Mm -hmm. And so it is. Yeah, seven six two by thirty nine is a mainstream round. I mean, if you had to say. What are the three or four most common rifle cartridges? Obviously, 762 by 39 is in that category because there's a whole lot of AKs in this country. My theory is, is that about 10 years ago, when a lot of people started prepping, a lot of people that were new to guns bought their first rifle. It was an AR-15, usually. And then they got one or two or three or 10 AR-15s. And then they decided to branch out and try this magical thing called the AK-47. And so then people would start to get AKs later on, they was they were sort of like down the 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 line from getting ARs, and I think that AKs have become very popular. And you mentioned some of the ergonomic issues. Um, Seven six two by thirty nine is functionally virtually identical to a thirty thirty round, which is a great medium uh, range and medium power cartridge. One of the advantages Seven six two by thirty nine has over the five five six round is that it, it'll penetrate stuff. If there are barriers, it'll penetrate a little more. It's got a little more oomph to it. Um, what about, what are your thoughts on the the second? There are actually two AK calibers. Um, and it is it is very rare, I'm gonna say. It is not nearly as common as 7.62 by 39. And that's 5.45 by 39. What are your thoughts on that caliber, pros and cons? Well, the, when they switched over to that round, they were kind of following suit with some of the advantages that the 5.56 has. And by they, you mean the Russians. Yeah, the Russians. So um, basically, it, it made their loadout a lot lighter. So how, how much ammo they were carrying on them, it was it was lighter. And uh, But they still have a lot of uh, good kinetic energy. Um, they still manufacture them the same way. So, so it, you know, they have steel jacketed versions and different things like that, which still have good penetrating power and, and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, the biggest advantage is that now the soldier could carry more ammo and uh and that kind of thing the the um also the velocity was increased so it, it comes out faster and and that kind of thing but but yeah other than that it, i mean it's it's uh pretty similar to the to the regular ak-47 boy the big knock on 545 by 39 because it's so similar to 556 by 45 you can see the similarity in the dimensions yeah the biggest knock on 545 is that it's not nearly as as common it is not nearly as available because I would say off the top of my head, complete guess, um, maybe 10% of AKs are in 545 by 39. It could be, it could be less than 10%. Um, I'm a huge fan of 545 by 39. I've told this story on the air before, but for those new listeners, it's, it's a decent story that bears repeating. And that is I was having breakfast one time with the real special forces, Ted, who's a character in the book and he's real dude and he's a real green beret. And he said, you really like 545 by 39. And he said in his very professional soldierly manner, what are the ballistics of the 545 that you like so much? And I said, 11. 
He said, 11 what? And I said, 11 cents a round. Because <laughs> yeah. at the time, that's it was really cheap and it came in spam cans. Now, of course, you can't get the spam cans anymore because they're made in Russia. They look like giant spam cans. You open them with a, a, a special can opener that comes attached to the side. And so, side of the can. Um, and so, it used to be really cheap. And now, um, 545 ammo is about the same cost as 556. I mean, it's, you can get it. You kind of have to go out of your way. It's not going to be in a, in a bait and tackle shop, you know, a little convenience store, hardware store off the side of the road, like, you know, some rifle and pistol calibers probably are, but it, it is available. It's, it's available if you stock up on it. It's not that available if you need it. It doesn't have a high trade value. I know because I have a bunch of 545 and I've tried to trade it and people said it's kind of an oddball caliber. Uh, it's not going to be that much of demand for it. So uh, I'll pass. I'm like, okay, well, it looks like I have more 545 to shoot. Um, it, it's got a less recoil. It's easier to handle. It is it is a great um, firearm, much like an AR-15 for newer shooters because it's it's so tame. Um, but boy, those, those little bullets, they call them in Afghanistan, the Afghanis call them poison pills. They thought there was something poison about them because they would enter somebody, tear them up, and fly out the other end uh, in some bizarre location. It would take a circuitous route through people's internal organs and things. And the Afghans thought that they the bullets were poison pills, and they weren't. It was just that they have uh, a steel core, and the steel and the the outer coating um, travel at different rates when they hit something, and the steel core kind of shoots out like a little dart. That's the theory, at least. I don't know if that's true. So. 545 by 39. I'm a personal big fan of it. However, if you commit to it, you need to do two things. You need to commit and, and get a bunch of it. And number two, you need to not buy the corrosive stuff. The, 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 there are primers. If you get the real Russian stuff, which you can't get anymore, by the way, because we're not importing it. Um, you need to make sure you get non-corrosive because there's a salt in the primer and that's all it is. It's a salt. It's not like sulfuric acid or anything, but the salt then gets, gets distributed evenly throughout your, the gas system of your gun. And then the, the air, the moisture in the air causes that salt to rust. And so you can rust out a gun in about 24 hours. I mean, you have to, have to, have to clean your gun after you use it when you're using corrosive ammo. But enough about 545 by 39. Uh, um, oh, and, and for folks that are interested in more details on the AK, one of our past episodes, we had Jim Fuller, formerly of Rifle Dynamics. He has his own company now. He is the undisputed king of AK-47s in the United States of America. Absolute treasure trove of information. Highly recommend that episode. So I think we've covered the 22 long rifle rifle and we've covered the battle uh rifle um which you your choice would be an ar and 556 solid choice yep. i think 85 90 of the audience uh, would would agree with you on that um anything to add to ba battle rifles or is it time that we go to your third pick in the battery um no i think uh, you know like i said the ar platform is uh is uh, pretty solid and there's tons of accessories for them. So, so it's a good pick. Well, that's another good point about the AR advantage over the AK tons of accessories. If you want optics and grips and all kinds of stuff, bipods. Yeah, there's that. And there just hasn't been as much innovation with AK 47s. Well, what is your third gun in the preppers four gun battery? Uh, I would uh, probably talk about a sidearm, um, like a nine millimeter pistol, so like um, my pick would be for like, you know, going into battle or whatever would be a Glock, like 17 probably. Okay. Or maybe a 19, which is a little bit shorter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. One of the two. One of the two. Um, couple questions. What are the pros and cons of nine millimeter and what are the pros <laughs> and cons of Glock? Um, so pros and cons of, of nine millimeter, um, it's available pretty much anywhere. It's uh, less expensive than, than your battle rifle cartridge. Um, it's got good knockdown power, especially with the, with the modern bullets, um, especially in the last five years. There's been a lot of uh, good improvements on the, the, the projectiles 
So like you got the HSTs and the hydroshocks and that kind of thing. Um, cons is, you know, there's, there's probably other rounds out there that are, you know, have more stopping power, but they also come with more recoil and that kind of thing. More expense and less common. That's right. Yeah. So, um, mostly, yeah, for the, for the new cartridges and the, and the low cost and availability, I would pick a nine millimeter, um, um, Glock, uh, I kind of, I'm a test engineer. I was a test engineer for Boeing. So I do a lot, lot high round count testing and that kind of thing. Well, um, a Glock has had to do that and they've been doing it for 1980 since 1985 and to get the, uh, mostly like law enforcement to convert over, they had to show a lot of of uh, testing and data and all that kind of stuff. And so just because they've been in the game lo- the longest and I've had really good luck with them. Um, and uh, to me, they're super reliable. So that's why I would pick it as a sort of a battle side arm. Back to caliber. You mentioned nine millimeter completely agree. Not only do I agree with everything you said about nine millimeter, about 85% of the market agrees with you <clears throat> because Anywhere you go, nine millimeter is by far, not even close, the most common pistol caliber, which relates to its low cost and to its availability, two huge things. Um, but there are other pistol calibers. I'm not, you're not saying there aren't. Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk briefly about 40 caliber. Here are my thoughts, and I'm curious what you think. Yeah. I like 40. Uh, it has more recoil. It's more snappy. I think that's the best word to describe it. It kind of pops up more. It's slightly harder to control. I remember, and I briefly did competitive shooting like like three weekends, so I don't want to make it sound like you know I'm an all-star or anything like that. Ended up not being able to do it because of time constraints. Um, my son had swimming lessons on Saturdays. That's why I didn't do it. You know, it's a valid reason. I mean, you know, swimming lessons for your son and hanging out with him are more important than competitive shooting. But I remember I would shoot sometimes nine and sometimes 40. And on some of the steel plates, uh, the ones you had to knock down, it seemed like 40 would reliably knock the steel plate down and nine most of the time knocked it down, but sometimes didn't knock it down. And to me, that was a very visual depiction of the difference between 40 and nine. And we can punch up all the ballistic charts in the world and see that indeed 40 caliber has more, you know, uh, pounds per, you know, uh, pounds of force at the muzzle, uh, foot pounds, I should say, and all of that. Um, and it is, it is more powerful, but it's got less recoil, but the problem, or it has, has more recoil, 40 does. The big problem is availability. And I started with 40. Um, one of the regrets I have about, one of the only regrets I have about the 299 days book series is that, uh, the main character, which is me, um, used 40 in there. And it's kind of a dated, Reference now, people ten years later reading the book series are like forty. What's up with that? My grandpa shoots forty. I mean, you know, it seems like <laughs> kind of an old guy caliber, um, but it does exist and it's a viable thing. But I'll tell you, when there were the, all the gun and ammo runs and all the shortages, forty was nowhere to be found. Um, the few people that had forty picked up forty, and it was nine. If you're a ammunition manufacturer. And you can tool up, which takes a lot of time and energy and cost to make one kind of make a run of, say, a trillion rounds or whatever. You're going to tool up for nine millimeter and you're not going to tool up for 40. So there's always going to be less supply of 40. What do you think about 40 versus nine? Um, for me, 40 is a good cartridge. I mean, uh, I'm kind of a bigger dude, so it didn't really the extra. He is a big dude, by the way. So it, it didn't really bother me, but it does bother like a lot of uh, female shooters and different things like that. It definitely has more snappy recoil, um, which is definitely less re- less reliable with people with some people. Um, and I, I think the rise and fall of the 40 was that the FBI had had a requirement for it. Mm-hmm. They needed more stopping power and everything. So it had a, a rise. And then since they were using it, law enforcement picked it up. But then after um, like Federal and uh, Hornady and different things, they came out with a better nine millimeter cartridge that performed better for the FBI. And because, you know, that now their uh, officers didn't have to deal with the recoil, then that's kind of where it fell out of favor and stuff. But I think it's a good cartridge. Like you said, um, availability is the biggest uh, negative for a 40 cal. And then, you know, secondary is the is the extra recoil that comes along with it. Back in the day, say 10 years ago, when police forces were transitioning out of 40 and into nine, you could pick up uh, a used cop 
gun, uh, 40 caliber, like a Glock um, 23, uh, and which is the Glock 17 size of uh, in 40 caliber. And um, I remember they, they were really cheap and they were everywhere. And that was kind of cool. That was my first major handgun. I had a 22 pistol, but it was my first centerfire handgun. And then as 40 caliber ammunition became less common slash more expensive, I realized because Scotty on the team told me, so I didn't really realize it. I just listened to what he had to say. <laughs> he said, go to Lone Wolf distributors and get a Glock 17, you know, a nine millimeter barrel and just pop it in there. And then you can, you know, use <laughs> nine millimeter mags and all that. And so one of the things about Glocks are that if, if you have a caliber that's not working for you, in many cases, not all, you can change the caliber by changing the barrel and, of course, using different magazines. What We have to talk about 45 ACP because it's a, a relatively common, still not anywhere close to 9mm, but it's a relatively common pistol caliber. What are your thoughts on 45 ACP? Well, I love 45. It, uh, I have a, a SIG 1911 that I use in competition occasionally, and it, it, it's just a beautiful, just uh, hard-thumping gun, like you were talking about, hitting those plates and knocking them down. Uh, 45 does it really effect- effectively well. Um, the other thing about 45 is generally right around the sound barrier, so you're not really it's, – it's not that loud compared to, to how big it is and how big a round it's shooting. So, And um, obviously – Tons and tons of competition shooters use 45 ACP. It's a it's a really good round hit. I, I'm I'm a big fan of it. It's just it it's just more expensive. That's about the only dif- disadvantage. Right. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with 45. Um, now we're, let's talk about for a moment gun selection and after that. So I'm doing a a, a verbal placeholder thing because I'll forget otherwise. Right. <laughs> um, after we do that, let's talk about revolvers. But let's talk about your semi-automatic. Um, makers of guns. You mentioned mm-hmm. Glock and you had some reasons, I think some really good reasons. I'm, I'm a Glock fan too. Um, are there any bad, and by bad, I mean unreliable handguns out there? Yeah, I I would definitely say there is. I, I'm not the biggest fan of High Point, um, but- I think they suck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I have SIGs. I have uh, I have several SIGs. I have, uh, I'm a fan of H&Ks. I've actually never owned one, but but uh, I've, sh- I've shot them and they're good. Um, uh, let's see what else. Oh, CZs. CZ. You're a big fan of CZs. Yeah, CZ 75. I have a CZ Shadow that I shoot in competition every now and again, and uh, and it's it's a really good gun, very good gun. And and the regular CZs CZs are um, are very reliable, and and so I think they're they're a good choice for the sidearm. Um, there's a few others. I, I hesitate to call them out by name, but there's definitely some brands that that I've found aren't very reliable, and uh, I wouldn't trust in you know in a battle situation or something. I had to depend my life depended on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's really the bottom line, especially with mm-hmm. sidearms. That's something you're going to have all the time on you, and at any given time you may need to use it. I mean, if you have bad guys coming down the driveway and you could see for a mile because there's dust. You might have enough time to pick out maybe a 308 bolt gun. Mm-hmm. You know, you might have time to pick out uh, a rifle, but you'd never have time to pick out a pistol. And so reliability is key. And I find that if I have one bad incident with a particular gun, not just the particular firearm itself, but with a brand of guns, I will not go back. And, and Shelby's going to, you know, shake her head at this. Um uh, I was shooting one of her SIGs. She likes SIG. They're fine firearms in general, but not for me. And here's why. I shot a SIG and the slide flew off. Hmm. Wow. Not not sure how. Uh, could have been human error. I could have been trying to take it apart and I didn't put a pin in where it should have gone. I don't know. But my point is, I don't care. Something about a slide flying off, <laughs> it, it it's not what I'm ever going to trust my life too. And there are so many good brands. And and I think we agree that the only like unreliable, bad brand of firearms to stay away from would be high points. They're, they're great if you're a convicted felon and you're knocking over a liquor store. They're fabulous for that. But I mean, that's not what we do here. And um, you mentioned CZs. I'm a huge fan of CZs. I have a CZ75B, which is a magnificent gun. When we're talking about all these different makes of guns and especially ones that are not common, 
Um, talk about the accessory issue when it comes to handguns that are less common than, say, a Glock. Yeah, so the popularity of the gun dictates how many accessories you have. So, like like you said, the gun is uh, if it's a Glock and you're wanting to switch from forty to nine, I mean, they're going to make accessories for that kind of thing. Um, so uh, talking about like um, the more popular guns have uh, more options for holsters and more styles of holsters and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, one big one is for uh, for the pistols. If you're trying to find magazines, I mean, if you have an obscure pistol, it's a big deal. It's it's kind of hard to find. I, and you, as a prepper, need to have at least ten magazines for every firearm you have that uses magazines. Yeah. I I don't have a lot of hard and fast rules and things that I stick by, but ten mags is one of them because you're going to lose them. They're going to fall out of stuff. You're going to you're going to drop a mag in a in a firefight and and not pick it up. You're going to go through more mags than you mm-hmm. think. <laughs> yeah, like my the guns I have competition. I actually number. I engrave the numbers on the mags so I so I know which ones are performing well and which aren't. And then other mags. Uh, if it's an obscure gun, it's going to be hard to find. And chances are, it's going to be an expensive mag. We have a little less than a minute until we go into the after show where we're going to continue this conversation, including a discussion of innovations in firearms. But just in a few seconds, because I think you can answer it in a few seconds, no pressure or anything. <laughs> I noticed that revolvers were not mentioned. Yeah, revolvers, um, you have less kinetic energy in, any, in almost any pistol you, you're going to pick up. So so you're into to compensate for that, you need to have more rounds on target. So a pistol has uh, a larger magazine, and so you can put more rounds on target and get the job done. Yeah, and reloads are quite an issue. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Um, and so you're a fan of semi-automatic pistols, mm-hmm. I take it, and yep. as am I. I think – and by the way, get get semi-automatic pistol, uh, practice with it, get really good, get your 10 magazines, get your stockpile of ammunition, and then go out and have some fun – and shoot a revolver. I love revolvers for fun. Um, I have a 22 caliber revolver, a uh, Smith & Wesson model um, 63 kit gun. What's it called? Kit meaning camping kit, not tactical kit. And um, I have a uh, Smith & Wesson 686 and 357 and a shoulder holster that is bad blank. It is it is fabulous. So go out and have some fun with all of these things. Well, this is the wrap-up of the regular show. We wanted to give you a chance, David, to give out your contact info. So tell folks how they can get a hold of you. Yeah, so you can go to Gibbs Arms, that's G-I-B-B-Z-A-R-M-S uh, dot com, and uh, you can check out and see what kind of access, uh, you know parts and accessories that we have. You can also um, go to our, our uh, YouTube channel and uh, see the those uh, innovations in action. And then, um, yeah. The YouTube channel, I bet you've got like a really tricky, hard to remember name for that. What is yeah. it? Yeah, it's Gibbs Arms. G-I-B-B. With a Z? Yeah. G-I-B-B. For reals? Yeah. With a Z? For reals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. And, um, and thank you, by the way, since we get a chance to thank you. Thank you for the swag giveaways. That's very yeah. great. Well, normally Shelby says this, but I will, ending out the regular show. Failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Benjamin Franklin. Stick around for the after show if you're a Patreon, everybody. Thank you. You've been listening to Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. All the information you've heard today, including all our previous shows, is online at prepping2-0.com. Find out more about Glenn's books at 299days.com and Shelby's books at agreatstate.com. Until next time, be smart, be safe, and be prepared.